Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm very pleased to have Lois Brady as my guest today. Lois Jean Brady has over 25 years of experience as a practicing speech and language pathologist, assistive technology specialist, and certified autism specialist. Lois is a proud board member for the California Communications Access Foundation and board of advisors for the International Board of Credentialing and Continuing Education Standards. Her career accomplishments include winner of three autism hackathons, Benjamin Franklin Award for Apps for Autism, and an Ursula Award for Autism TV Today. In addition to Apps for Autism, she has co-authored Speech in Action and Speak, Move, Play, and Learn with Children on the Autism Spectrum. She has authored two professional development courses on the topics of technology and animal-assisted therapy. Lois gives international presentations to both family members and fellow professionals at conventions and seminars on autism and technology. She is currently researching and developing engaging multisensory products to enhance communication, attention, social cognition, and quality of life for individuals with autism. Welcome, Lois, and thank you so much for joining me today to talk about the important work you're doing to help better the quality of life for those with special needs. Thank you, Gilda. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So to begin, please tell me, how did you get involved with technology and autism? Well, um, let's see. When I very first started working with autism decades ago, um, we didn't have technology, and it was very hard. We used a lot of flashcards, a lot of um, board games and things like that, and it seemed like we weren't really getting anywhere. And then we started using some technology, um, the big boxes like the Dynavoxes and the Prenti ROM key uh, that you would see on the wheelchairs, and they we started using those for our students with autism. And, again, it was very difficult didn't seem to work really well. It worked minimally. Um, And then mobile technology came out. And with that, I saw my students with autism literally start engaging, start learning, and was able to show you all those things that you knew was in their head and all those thoughts that you knew that they had, you were able now to see them. They were able to show you that They're thinking complicated thoughts. They're able to read. They're able to to write. They're able to answer questions. And it was amazing. So me, I was not very techie at the time, but when I saw my students really light up and engage, at that moment I decided, well, I needed to also be techie because this this was the key. And um, I've been um, searching technology, you know, writing grants and trying to figure out the best keys from, you know, that moment on when Steve Jobs stood up there and announced the first iPad one. (laughs) I think I ran and was the first one to order it, but uh, (laughs) it it really works well with our kids (laughs) on the spectrum. Well, in your opinion, what is the best technology currently available for those with autism? You know, I really love mobile technology. Um, It seems like everyone has it. It doesn't make them stand out in any kind of a way. It's not for special needs. It's just for everybody. Um, Sometimes if the motor planning is not the best, the the bigger ones, the iPads and the iPad Pros, 
give a bigger um, field so that the the the, the when I say the fine motor coordination, they're able to touch the the targets a little bit easier. But believe it or not, in a couple months, they hone their skills and they're able to use iPhones um, and anything anyone else is able to use. I, uh, most of my kids are um, on YouTube, on laptops. They're able to use iPads, iPhones. Um, Androids are great, too. Um, I love Androids. I don't want to leave them out. Um, it just seems that Apple is in our schools, and Apple does have a huge number of learning apps, educational apps. So I think I kind of tend to say iPad a lot, but um, the Androids are great also. Um, so I really love, love, love the mobile technology. Now, you have a wonderful app, speaking of apps, by the name of Inner Voice that I saw demonstrated not long ago. What inspired mm-hmm. you to create that app? Well, Gilda, uh, again, when the iPad first got announced, I looked at them and I realized there was a couple apps on there that were educational, and I never knew one thing about apps prior to that. And I saw my students with autism go over and use a tracing app for about half an hour when we couldn't get this same student to pick up a pencil and, and try to form a letter. It was just so much that they would have a meltdown, but they would try for a half an hour on an app. And I, I thought that was amazing. Like, oh, my gosh, this is great. I need to let everyone know this. I was so excited about it. I was like, I got to let everyone know this. So I went and I, I researched all the apps that were out there, and I wrote a book, Apps for Autism. And sure enough, there's – an incredible amount of apps out there that can target just about any skill that you want to target. However, that being said, there's also some pretty big gaps um, that needed to be filled. So as I'm working with my kids with autism and I'm showing them the communication apps and they're using them, but they're having to be heavily reinforced and they're not really looking at them and it's, it's still a challenge um, they love some of the tracing apps and the puzzle apps, of course, but to get them to use their communication apps, I hear a lot of requesting going on. Well, we want to teach our kids to do a little bit more than just requesting, um, and we really want them to be engaged in their communication apps. And beyond that, Gilda, we really want them to learn how to communicate for themselves because they're perfectly capable of either speaking sometimes or typing. Um so I thought, well, what engages them? And I noticed many of my kids love flipping through pictures, looking at pictures of themselves, of their family members. And I thought at that moment, what if we can put those pictures on those same apps and the pictures can say the words rather than the, the words coming out of, of nowhere, a, a disembodied words? Well, here, let's put a face to it. Now we're giving context to where the words are coming from and we're drawing attention to, to the face and showing what it looks like for the words to be said. So now we're not only saying the words, but we're kind of giving it context and teaching the student how to say the words also. So it started from there seven years ago, putting the face onto the words. And since then, we've added um, GIFs and videos and artificial intelligence and any new technology that comes out, we just like put it in the app because I want Part of my, my whole business model is to take the latest, greatest technology and apply it to, to students who could really use it to learn and so that they don't have to wait 
you know, five years and get the old technology. Um, and I don't know if you've experienced that happening or anyone in the listening audience, but a lot of our, our kids with disabilities usually get the technology, the second generation technology after everyone else is done with it. It gets handed down to them. And I kind of wanted to flip that model where our kids are using the latest, greatest technology and everybody wants to see what they're doing and engage with them. And it's just another way to also maybe focus on some social skills. If, if someone's sitting there using, and we were just talking about Unreal Engine, and uh, and they're going to draw a crowd, and they're going to draw a crowd that wants to see what they're doing and interact with them. And that's the best possible world because many of our students with disabilities end up being isolated, and that's a big challenge is how to how – to, um, create situations where our students aren't isolated. I just hit a whole bunch of topics there. <laughs> That's great. The technology can, can do anything from help you talk to teach you to talk to keep you from being isolated. And it's it, and I've seen it all is, is why I'm saying this. Um, I really have. I, I've spent many years. I'm still, like, you know, full-time, hands-on. I just love it. And to see these little things happen that sometimes you're not expecting is great, is really great. So, I just think it's wonderful, absolutely wonderful what technology can do and the mm-hmm. way that young people just seem to take to it so naturally and so easily and especially uh, young people with certain challenges or special needs, how it just opens up the world to them and, and opens so many doors of possibilities for them, you know, in terms of ways that they can communicate and and things that they can explore. And technology is always changing, always evolving. And so that leads me to my next question is, what technology is on the horizon? What's, What's the next step? Where is it going? That's a great question, too, because there are some amazing people out there doing some great amazing stuff with, um, um, what do I want to say, reading brain waves. So somebody may not even have to talk at all or may not even be able to talk at all. And they have, it looks like a ball, a, a cap that they put on your head, and it can actually read brain waves. Um, and they're working on that. And I thought that was just incredible. But beyond that, there's um, artificial not, Artificial intelligence, of course, which we're all becoming familiar with. Um, We know it, I think, in the mainstream, you can see it in word prediction, like as you're texting or something and your phone predicts the word that you want to say. That's how we all know it, but artificial intelligence can describe your world to you. You take a picture and artificial intelligence can tell you what's out there. So if you're low vision or blind, you just use your camera, take a picture, and you know what's in your environment. You can have a conversation with artificial intelligence. Um, Sometimes it's just kind of funny. It's not always right. It's not always correct. It's in its infancy, but artificial intelligence is coming, and it's really helpful to support the learning of of some students or for someone who is like blind or, or deaf, hard of hearing, um, it, it's a support to help them know what's in their environment or what people are trying to say to them. Um, some artificial intelligence can read sign language. That's amazing. They take the sign language, they turn it into text to speech, and then the person who's deaf can read it. Um, 
or that's vice versa, excuse me, that person who's deaf already knows sign language. Um, <laughs> beyond that, there's the virtual reality. A lot of folks are out there trying to teach some social skills in virtual reality, how to approach a police officer, um, how to get a job. So we're taking some virtual reality and we're putting in um, scenarios and situations and letting people work through it, learn some language of how to work through it. And then there's augmentative reality. So you're going through your environment and maybe the augmentative reality is helping you label things. Um, you know, that's useful for dyslexia, it's useful for autism or people just learning languages um, or learning a second language. So that's kind of on the forefront and very exciting. The smart speakers, believe it or not, we're using those. I use them in my own clinic um, because you have to talk to them and you have to talk clearly to them. So if you make a gesture or your speech is unintelligible, Alexa doesn't know what you mean. You have to ask Alexa an intelligible question so that she can answer you. That's incredible. And it seems like people are don't get really upset when Alexa says, I don't know what you say. It's so much easier than me continually trying to say that. So if it's just a machine doing it, the frustration level stays very low for the student who's, who's learning. Um, Interesting. So smart speakers are really kind of, um, we're, we're learning more and more ways on a daily basis to use smart speakers. So that's, that's incredible, the things that are coming out of smart speakers. Um, you know, I know personally when I go to think about creating a new piece of technology, I look into the gamer industry and the entertainment industry because they seem to have the greatest technology that's available today. And I look at that and say, well, how can I use this to teach a skill? Um, and that's kind of fun. So that's kind of where I am. I'm looking at all this latest, greatest technology and say, okay, so the gamers are using it. Why can't I to teach um, an activity or a skill or to teach someone to talk or, you know, whatever the lesson may be, you can, you can use it. Um, you just need some developers and a little bit of time. <laughs> well, you know, some of the stuff that you're talking about is just mind-blowing, and I've seen uh, some of the things actually demonstrated, and it is just amazing, just amazing where technology is going and the possibilities that it presents for, for as you say, the things that we can teach and the way that we can help Everybody learn, not not just people with certain challenges or special needs, but especially people also with challenges and special needs that learn in certain ways better and express themselves in certain ways better. And this just gives them so many wonderful tools, and it just and it just keeps. It just keeps growing and growing and getting more and more mind-blowing every day, in, in my opinion. It does. It, it, it's a nice uh, – it levels the field for everybody, I believe. It really does because um, our kids with special needs can get in there and they not only use it, but they can develop it. Um, you know, because it doesn't – again, it doesn't take a lot of language. It doesn't take – if you're going to be a developer, it's, it's – it's a great occupation for someone who um, can do things, uh, I don't want to say repetitively, but can do things for long periods of time and really 
hyper-focused in on a subject, it's a great occupation. Um, you know, whereas someone else may not be able to focus for such long periods of time or, or be distracted by um, social situations. <laughs> Um, so right, I, I believe it just right. levels the, the field and, and gives everybody an equal opportunity to get in there and, and create. And also, who better than a person with special needs to develop something for other people with special needs? Oh, have to be. They have to be in the process. Absolutely, yeah. 100%. There's no way you can develop something sitting somewhere where there's nobody with special needs and come in and then impose it on them because you thought it was a good idea, you're going to be wrong. Because <laughs> I've, I've tried that a couple times. You know, we all do that. We sit at home at night and we create these lovely um, lessons and lovely technology and all these things and we come and we impose it on our students and they don't even want to use it. So I've learned never to do that, never, ever, ever. Always include them, make them part of the process. Even even the simple things like programming their own devices or something, they have to be sitting next to you involved in the process and understanding the process and eventually programming their own devices, and that's the goal. Not for you to do it and bring it in and have them use it. That's kind of an old standard that I wish would go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Well, now, at this point, is there anything else you'd like to add that we haven't covered? And what do you think is the most important takeaway for our listeners to remember from our conversation? Wow. I, the, the most important takeaway and probably my the thing I, I always talk about is our kids who are considered are, would be labeled low-functioning um, or unable or incapable I would love everyone to take that, take those concepts out of their heads and and just look at them as as having potential, as having as having endless potential. We just have to give them the right tools. Um, I know when I first started, and, and still today, Gilda, it breaks my heart. I sit in IEPs and I see these gorgeous kids who may be nonverbal get labeled low cognition and you know, and I have to sit there and I have to, to explain to the, to the whole IEP team that just because they can't talk and sometimes their motor planning is a little off doesn't mean they, they're not intelligent or they don't know what you're saying to them or that they're low cognition and people mm-hmm. are still believing that. And that is kind of like heartbreaking because I don't know how many of my formally known as low cognition kids are now typing and writing sentences and, you know, um, participating in in classes. Um, You know, they still have sensory challenges, but they're able to participate, um, you know, in different ways, and we just have to figure out what that way is and support them. But just to take away that whole low cognition mindset, I would love that. Well said. Well said, and I agree with you. So, Lois, tell me, how can our listeners reach you if they have questions or they want to know more? Oh, absolutely. Um, My email, which is Lois, L-O-I-S, at itherapyllc.com, or my um, website, which is innervoiceapp.com. And would you do me a favor and spell those out so that people make sure they get it correctly? Sure. Um, Innervoice. I-N-N-E-R-V-O-I-C-E 
A-P-P, innervoiceapp.com. And again, it's Lois, L-O-I-S, at I-T-H-E-R-A-P-Y-L-L-C.com. Thank you. And thank you so much for your time and for sharing some wonderful information with us today. Well, thank you, Gilda, for having me. And um, if you'd like to hear any more on any very specific topics, it's covered kind of technology, a wide range, but I'm more than happy to come and talk on any very specific topics. So thank you for having me. Thank you, and you are welcome back anytime. I also want to thank our listeners for spending a part of their day with us. I'm Gilda Evans reminding you to take care of yourself and that special person in your life.